Hello and welcome to another episode of King's Landing. This week, Kate and I are really excited because we're going to be talking about all of season seven, um, kind of reviewing highs and lows and unanswered questions. Um, And then we'll also be including some season eight predictions into the mix. Um, Basically, this comes about because last week, well, I guess it was two weeks ago now when we came out with our finale episode, there were so many things that we wanted to talk about that really spanned the entirety of the series as well as what we thought was going to happen next week. So we reined ourselves in last episode and really like focused only on that episode um and took notes and are back this week to talk about everything that we wanted to talk about that we're really excited to get to um because as any game of thrones fans knows this in between time is when the fun magic happens of just let's talk about everything and predict any initial thoughts or do you want to jump right in kate i i guess general notes on the season things that we've discussed in almost every uh, show pod this season is a general note about writing. Uh, David and Dan wrote a lot. There are still some logical inconsistencies. There were some throwaway lines, just things that didn't work. And so I'm, I, we had general angst about that. I think both of us. Yeah, I think it's pretty telling that the only episode this season that I ranked a 10 was the only episode they didn't write. Um, Another problem that I had with the season, and I'm starting with problems just because there's a lot of good things, so I'm just getting everything that makes me angsty out first. We need to know or have a greater feeling for what the characters know or which conversations they've had, because that was another big question that we had, particularly in Winterfell um and then also what Cersei had found out from Kyburn or from Jamie that was also confusing the season yeah I think there were a lot of times where I was getting angry about something and you were like yeah but blah 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 might have happened and I'm like yeah then I needed to see that yeah (laughs) because I don't know that they talked about that if I didn't see them talk about it and then I wanted to get into some characterization frustrations Mm -hmm. right off the bat because I think you and I both agreed on at least one in particular but um let's just go for it starting with Euron (laughs) yes I promised you a Euron rant in this episode I'm ready so go for it if you're not familiar with a feast with dragons slash a feast for crows and a dance with dragons and or the release chapters for the winds of winter Euron is the big bad he is the worst of Tywin. He is the worst of Ramsay. And he needs to be a worthy adversary for Danny. And he is an adversary, yes, but not an unusually magical or powerful one, which is what he is in the books. And I think that lends such a cool element to his character. And I'm really disappointed that they don't include this throughout this season. Like, there's a lot more that they could do with Euron that they just, either for time or budget, whatever, have not done, which is so disappointing because he's such a delicious character. And I think um, Pilu Asbeck, um, who plays him in the show, wanted a plotline like that and just didn't get one. So I'm hoping that they incorporate that into season eight. 
Um, I literally have gone through and listed what Euron did this season. He killed two sand snakes. He captured Yara. He allied with Cersei. He made enemies with Jamie, And that's basically it. Yeah. So just to, <laughs> just to go right off of you because you and I have exactly the same frustrations. In the books, Euron is, he is the ultimate evil that we've been leading up to. And he also has a lot of magical godlike powers. Um, but yeah, he rapes his brother's wives and sexually abuses his younger brothers. Like he is not, he is not this funny comedic relief of a villain that we've gotten in the show. And I guess that's my biggest complaint is I really do feel like he's been downgraded to just like comedic relief. Um, and I was really excited there in episode two where we got the battle with Yara and the ships mm-hmm. and he kills the sand snakes because we saw a glimpse of that madness and that evil, but then it just went away for the rest of the season. So I like, I was so frustrated because I was like, we're going to get it. And then we just didn't. And even in the season finale, what happens is he asks if the whites can walk on water or whatever Swim. and they find out <laughs> no and so he's like cool bye and gets a chuckle out of the audience and then i guess it's cool that we find out that he's going to get the uh golden company mm-hmm. but still like i don't see how they can build him into the evil that we're wanting from him in just the next season i'm i've basically yeah. given up and it's frustrating because a lot of our predictions for this season rested on Euron being the Euron of the books. Mm-hmm. So I guess we're doubly frustrated because it just messed up our entire guess <laughs> of what the season was going to be. But um, I mean, I understand that the books and the show aren't going to be the same, but this is one of the places where I am still going to always be a little sad at what could have been. Yeah, precisely. So let's just kind of bounce plotline to plotline, I guess, as... Okay. A fluid conversation of what comes up and what we think is important to talk about. Um, but while we're on the subject of Euron, last week you came up with this theory that I loved and I've thought about a lot um, <laughs> in terms of where Theon's going. So since we've yeah. talked a little bit about Euron, do you want to jump over to Theon and Yara? Uh, so Theon and Yara. Um, first off, not a whole lot of screen time this season, unfortunately. Uh, Yara is probably with Euron on the silence going to Essos to pick up the Golden Company. So I wanted to start with her because her plotline is the one where I'm, well, I don't know where either is going, but Yara especially, because could she convince the Golden Company that Euron is terrible and evil and eventually get them to smuggle her out while Euron is distracted with something? Maybe. Um, or... Euron has dropped Yara off on Pike. I was thinking about Theon and where his plotline could go. And one of those places is Pike, is his redemption arc. And the redemption arc um, finally getting to the place where he actually is ruling from the Sea Stone Chair, ruling the Iron Islands. So, Laurel, do you want to talk about why you were thinking about that? or what you were thinking about that? <laughs> sure. So I think um, I had a little bit of a rant last week about how great Theon's redemption arc has been and how much I like that it's not over and that he mm-hmm. isn't suddenly free from trauma and, yeah, I'm okay now. But also uh, yeah. what interests me about Theon is that he was 
a tool at the beginning of the series. Like, I despised him just as a mm-hmm. person. He was a bad character. Like, he was a good character, but he was a bad person. Um, and so I think that in true Game of Thrones style, what could be a really cool end to Theon's arc is if at the end of the day he gets his redemption arc, but he's no better, if that makes sense. So he's been through all this trauma. He's tried to be redeemed so many times, and at the end of the day he succumbs to the same evil that he succumbed to at the very beginning of the series. So what that looks like is he gets to Pike, he realizes nobody's there, he realizes that he can take back his rightful quote-unquote place on the seesaw mm-hmm. chair and um, take over when he'd promised A, to help Yara, and B, that Yara would be mm-hmm. in charge. So then at the end, somehow that would lead to his doom. So in a similar way where he was entrapped by the desire to fulfill his father's expectations, and that's when he turned against Rob in Winterfell. So it'd be a similar Mm -hmm. kind of um, ego as a downfall, as an ultimate sin. And I think that would be a really tragic but true ending to Theon, where he's been through everything, and at the end of the day, he still succumbs to the same evil, the same sad. So that's how I would write it if I was in charge. Okay, I like that. I have an alternative proposal, which is Theon does do his redemption arc thing, and he's heroic in trying to get Yara back. He reaches her in Euron. He can't get Yara back, but he is able to help bring down Euron in a sense to the sea center. Yeah. I think that's more believable and more what's going to happen in the show for sure because they seem to like their nice little clean wrap-ups yeah I'm just I've just realized today on my I think fourth rewatch of episode was it three or four um that I like Theon so much because as a character because he continues to like do something good and then he'll fail and do something good and then he'll fail and it's he's a wave he just yeah (laughs) ebbs and flows and so much and so what's so tragic about him is so much of what I don't like and what I see him as where I'm like, oh, he's a terrible person is because of mm. childhood trauma. And so childhood trauma can lead to terrible people, but it's always going to be at the back of your mind of that. Like, oh, it's I mean, it at the end of the day, he's responsible for himself. But at, you're also like, OK, I can see why you're the way you are. And that is also tragic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are we both in agreement then that Yara's going to die next season? I don't know because she was on my death pull for this season. Right. And she didn't die. And I think that <laughs> Theon's death would have more of an emotional impact at this point. And I don't yeah. think he's endgame. So I could see him dying to save her for sure. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what her role is in the wars to come, but I don't. I'm about 50-50 on her, but I'm almost 100% on Theon. Okay. The only thing, and I believe we've had previous conversations on this with Yara, is the if we're going with my ideal situation where a woman ends up on all of the major thrones or as a warden of the West or whatever, that Yara would be the warden of the West. Yeah. And that Sansa would be the warden of the North. And that you have... A sand snaker, I don't know who does it now. <laughs> a warden of the south. <laughs> and then Daenerys in the Iron Throne. Yeah. If that would happen after the wars to come. That would be really cool. And I'm I'm still pissed at what happened this season because I think 
they started towards that, obviously, when they had that great um, moment of feminism and all of the writers in After the Thrones patted themselves on the back for how great it was to have uh-huh. so many strong women. And then in the very next episode, they all, like, died. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yep. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a lot of hope for that, but I think it would be cool. Um, really quick, since you mentioned Sand Snakes, do you want to go into that? So I'm glad that the Sand Snakes <laughs> are done, um, just because, just oh. because they weren't being done right. Like I, it's it's a petty yeah. thing to say. It's very bitter of me, but like they destroyed one of my favorite plot lines in the entire books mm-hmm. in the Dorn plotline. And so I'm glad that it just had a quick and messy ending the way it did. Like, okay, cool. However, we're left wondering what is going to happen because, okay, um, we killed the Sand Snakes on the way to Dorne, I think. We still agree. We weren't, I wasn't sure about that, but at this point I'm like, okay, that's probably what happened. And so Mm -hmm. now what happened to that whole Dornish army that was ready to come fight for Daenerys? No, uh, no clue. Who's ruling Dorne right now? Because it's not Cersei. It's not Ilaria. So do we think that we're going to no revisit idea. Dorne? Or is it, did they just give up? Initial thought, you still need to have Dorne at least in mentions. Right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't cease to exist to be part of Westeros. However, they can make it unimportant in the show. And just, so yes. I think this is them finally giving up, unless they're giving, they've given Alaria an out, and I actually did want to bring this right. up, because they kill Nim in front of Alaria, but Cersei says to her, I'm going to let you live as your punishment so that you can watch your daughter die, right. and I want you to live as long as you can so that you see like her bones and her decaying body and all of that right in front of you. Joy. Um, so... They've given themselves an out if there's some sort of rescue mission for Ilaria and get her out of King's Landing. Yeah. Then we have someone for Dorne. But she's the only named character for Dorne at the moment, so she's kind of important. If Dorne is important at all. Especially, and you would think it would be because with the others coming, Dorne is like the hot sun desert place. Yeah, it was the only place in all of Westeros that the Targaryens were never able to conquer, so it's important because of that. Honestly, the cynical part of me says that we're done with Dorne. They just wrote, yeah. wrote it out, and we're going to forget that it exists in the next season, um, just because I don't know what they could do with it. Okay, can we return briefly um, to the Golden Company? Yes. Since we're talking about all of this situation. Definitely. Okay, I did a little research. And even though we didn't get to Essos the season, we did get a mention of the Golden Company several times because Cersei is getting a loan from the Iron Bank to bring them over to sub- supplement her army and navy. So she sends Euron, she dispatches Euron with the Greyjoy fleet. Uh, and I have a few theories here. Does Euron use the Golden Company for himself? Or is he actually committed to bringing them back for Cersei? I don't know. I don't see what he would gain for by turning against Cersei. Because right now he has Cersei as an ally. And if he turns against Cersei, then he has zero allies. Unless he's 
not so serious about marrying Cersei and decides he wants to try and marry Daenerys. Yes, this is true. Um, I don't see that happening until Cersei suffers a major defeat, though. Okay. So we'll assume that Euron is a good <laughs> a good ally and brings the Golden Company to King's Landing. So the Golden Company, if you're not familiar with it, uh, they are considered the largest, most famous, and most expensive sellsword or mercenary company in the Free Cities, and the current Captain General is named Harry Strickland, and that's from a wiki of Ice yes. and Fire. They have elephants, which are mentioned in the show, so we might get elephants, which is fun. Zombie elephants. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I do want to mention that the Golden Company is yeah. the most expensive for a very specific reason, and that is that they're mm-hmm. also the most loyal company. So mm-hmm. supposedly once they are bought and sign a contract, they will never renege on that contract, um, unlike other sellsword companies, which will always be open to the highest bidder. So even if you have a sellsword company, you always have to make sure that you are paying them and willing to compete for their loyalty the golden company doesn't do that they are loyal they will not go to somewhere else in the books that's not necessarily like we start to see that actually not happen and it's this major plot point um but we'll get to that in our (laughs) book pods since i don't think that is going to have anything to do with the show since they didn't mention that aspect of them in the show right uh, some other background on them. They, the company was founded by an illegitimate son of Aegon IV. Aegon the Unworthy legitimized, so that was the father of the founder of the Golden Company, legitimized all the sons on his deathbed, which created the line of Targs known as the Blackfires. And this led to something called the Blackfire Rebellion. But there's no more Targaryens leading it. Like I said, the leader right now is Harry Strickland. So he is not a Targaryen. There's not going to be a legitimacy issue between him and Daenerys and Jon. Um, and like you said, they never break a contract. Their motto is, our word is good as gold. And their war cry is, beneath the gold, the bitter steel. Uh, their symbol is golden skulls. And I was watching the season, or re-watching the season, and Euron makes a reference to gilded skulls or something so that was a mm-hmm. little cool subtlety <laughs> yeah in the writing this that's season. cool uh in the books stannis hired them which is a fun little sidebar so that's the yeah. golden company yeah do we want to go from that to cersei sure since they've played into cersei's ultimate strategy and i'm sure we'll want to talk about yeah. that um so you know my major complaint this season with cersei <laughs> has been that i think that until even the very final episode she was really written out of character yeah um cersei is supposed to be a lion she's supposed to be fierce and hot anger and instead the season was a very icy cold (laughs) anger cersei um and while i do take the explanation that she's still mourning for her children without allowing herself to feel it that all makes sense to me i guess but i would like to see that And the only reason that you would really have that dramatic of a personality shift of hers would be for her to have a breakdown moment. And we didn't see that. Like in the final, in the finale, if she had just broken down and started sobbing about what happened with her children, that would have almost redeemed her entire show for me because I understand how that would happen. But even when children came up and she acknowledged her own faults slightly, there wasn't 
the emotion that I'm looking for. So I just, mm-hmm. I, I thought Lena Headey did a great job acting Cersei. I just didn't enjoy the writing and the way they decided to take her character this season. She opens the season talking to Jamie, saying enemies to the east, enemies to the south, enemies to the west, enemies to the north. Okay, so by episode seven, we have south and west eliminated. They are out of the ballgame. So Cersei's strategy is clearly working um, for now. Anyway, and her enemies to the north think that they're allied with her right now. My whole thing is if Jaime will get to um, Winterfell or Dragonstone and be able... Well, it has to be Winterfell now since they're both going there and tell them Cersei's going to double-cross you, so watch your back. Um, Also, here's the thing. Shouldn't Bran know all of this? Like, don't they have a secret weapon now in Bran where they can be like, okay, tell us what every one of our enemies are doing at any <laughs> given point? Like, yeah. Um, we'll get into Bran later. Let's save my Bran rant for later. Yeah, but overall, like, generally speaking, that is a, an excellent point, Laurel. Yes. <laughs> you should use all of the tools available to you. So another big thing that she does this season is kill um, a sand snake. And start orchestrating a strategy, which again seems to be working. Um, but the last scene of the season, we see her standing alone after Jamie leaves her. So she has Kyburn and the mountain loyal to her in King's Landing for sure, but everyone else, like Jamie tells Euron in episode two, I believe, when they're standing in the throne room. All of these people were against Cersei last season during her walk of shame. So it would be incredibly easy for them to switch alliances again. They are not very loyal at all. They're there because they're scared of Cersei at the moment. And I'd forgotten that Jamie actually mentions that to Euron, which lends more to my your idea that Euron might go turn against Cersei. Yeah. Um, now that he Jamie basically told Euron that the people loyal to Cersei aren't actually that loyal. Thanks. Thanks, Jamie. <laughs> um, so maybe maybe I could actually see that happening more realistically. Yeah. Um, what else with um, So let's talk pregnancy. So the prophecy that she had in, I think it was season four when we got to see the prophecy finally. Yeah. Um, said that she would bear three children. Mm-hmm. Which means that this child is not going to be born in my book. I do not see Second. this child actually being born. Yeah. Um, and so what is the point of this? Is it even a real pregnancy? And what's going to happen? Questions. Do you want me to answer or do you have answers? <laughs> uh, you go first. Okay. I totally agree with you 100%. Second, Cersei will not carry to turn. She, and this is going to be either, well, let's go with the less tragic first. She miscarries. Um, most tragic is because she dies. We have to trust prophecies because it's fantasy, and so prophecies are written literally for reasons like this. So, I'm sorry, kid, but it's not looking good for you. Um, speaking of children, I was thinking about this, and um, interestingly, not a lot of the fandom has written about this on Reddit or a wiki or anything. 
But the parallels between Daenerys and Cersei are quite interesting in that, you know, Cersei had three children, all dead. Uh, Danny's children are her dragons, and one has died. So the question with the pregnancy, and since we're talking about pregnancy, potential pregnancy of Daenerys as well, is does that change one or both of their calculations? So, A, I do think that Cersei is pregnant in the books. This is something I've thought <laughs> for a while. Um, but B, now that Cersei is entirely alone without Jaime, um, I do think that the pregnancy was useful for manipulating Jaime and getting him to kind of like a guarantee. But now that the kid, the pregnancy wasn't enough, basically, to keep Jaime, I wonder if she's going to resent it. I wonder if, if it... I mean, it could have even been a faked pregnancy where it was purely for keeping Jamie with her. I think miscarriage makes more sense than her dying while still pregnant. Because if she dies while she's still pregnant, then the pregnancy doesn't really have any effect. It doesn't really serve any purpose. But having a miscarriage could be the final straw that just makes her go completely insane because she has this future child to look forward to. Even though Jamie left her, she has progeny, she has companionship. And so she loses that hope and I could see her just going absolutely nuts. And that could be really interesting. And then she would be a complete wild card. Do we have anything else to talk about in terms of Cersei? We spent a good deal of last episode talking about her strategy mm-hmm. and lack thereof and why it's doomed <laughs> to failure. The only way that I would like to conclude our discussion of her is how she's going to die. Because it's coming in season eight. The question is how long will she last until season eight? How long can she last in season eight? So here's something. I don't... I. Th- I think I remember correctly, and I might be wrong, but I don't think Voloncar is actually used in the TV show Prophecy. I remember that being a, a kind of controversial when that episode came out. Can I do a quick Google right now? Okay, so solved. Yeah, so there's no Voloncar. Let's let's jump to Jamie really okay. quick. I see him going to Winterfell immediately right now. Especially since he knows Brienne is at Winterfell and that Brienne will be an ally to him. Um, I don't see him staying at Winterfell yeah. very long. And I don't know if he's going to betray Cersei or not. I I think he wouldn't term it betray. He would say, I'm not in support of her anymore. I don't know if he would reveal her strategy. What are Jamie's options right now? He goes to Winterfell and doesn't tell them what Cersei's planning and then he's inc- uh he's incriminated by yeah. that so if Cersei betrays them they'll turn on him so that's not a good choice he goes and warns them vaguely they're gonna want to know more information so I guess I guess he does have to go and betray Cersei yeah he doesn't have there's a lot of talking of allies in this season and he recognizes Cersei's total lack thereof he can't go to the Tyrells anymore because they've been yeah. extir- extinguished. He can't go to the uh, Martells because they've likewise been extinguished. So he has to go to Daenerys or he has to go to Sansa and John, And now they're one and the same. Because he's already said that his goal is to mm-hmm. live. So he has to go where the battle of the, li- or the army yep. of the living is. 
there's nowhere else yep. for him to go. So, yeah. So I guess he does have to go betray Cersei um, and kind of let them know what's going on. And do you know what I'm really looking forward to? What? The in-person love triangle there of <laughs> Jamie, Tormund, and Brienne all in the same place together. Wouldn't that be great? Oh. Well, we can talk about where Tormund is headed later. Yeah. Because I definitely yeah. want to get into that. <laughs> so I guess we're both in agreement that Jamie's probably going to die and that he's got to betray Cersei by going to Winterfell and letting them know what's yeah. up. But then I guess that changes Cersei's calculations because wouldn't she assume that's what he's going to do? Yes, but she might feel so secure that her strategy is going to work that she doesn't come up with a plan B or that her plan B doesn't work. Or maybe she's so confident because she's already shown just by letting him live that he's a weakness to her. And so I could totally see her underestimating his ability to betray her. Mm Mm-hmm. But speaking of redemption arcs, like we did for Theon, the ultimate point of Jamie's redemption arc is that he dies a hero. Yeah. Right. So, and I'm 100% on board with that. So something else that I wanted to mention mm-hmm. really quick is Jamie and Daenerys. Mm-hmm. And if he is heading to Winterfell yeah. to side with her, because she's a Targaryen, he killed her father. Mm-hmm. This has not been addressed in the TV show yet. Correct. Also, he witnesses her using her dragons and fire mm-hmm. to not torture people, but to um, kill a lot of people, yeah. which is his greatest fear since that's what he killed her father to prevent him from doing. I feel like this is something that... He has casually charged really her, too. We... <laughs> yeah. So, like, I think that's going to be a relationship with a lot of tension uh-huh. in it, and I would really enjoy... Having him talk to her about her father. Oh, I mean, yeah, I know she knows cool. that her father was evil. Yeah. We've had that discussion, but I think it would be really cool, kind of a if she forgives Jamie, right? Like if she forgives Jamie, he goes out to battle and dies. Like that would be the perfect ending to his arc, would it not? Like you're going to make me tear up just thinking about it. Oh my god. Oh. So we have Jamie who doesn't have a yeah. hand. Do you think we could make a dragon glass hand? Or a hand of Valyrian steel? He doesn't need a sword then, or sword skills, but that'd be badass. Okay, do we want to move on, since we have him and Daenerys and Jon, do we want to move on to Dragonstone and Danny and Jon? Oh, yes. Or is there anything else? Um, okay. Yeah. So, one thing that that just sparked in my mind, and so I want to say it before <laughs> we get too far off Mm -hmm. is dragonstone and mining dragon glass so we saw the mines we saw that daenerys's people are mining it and yada yada um so we have to go back to dragonstone i don't think we've abandoned dragonstone um even though it seems like winterfell is going to be team living headquarters which doesn't make sense to me because dragonstone is an island so it's safer because they can't swim only if and when Winterfell yeah, falls. I guess that makes sense. So I wanted to talk about Winterfell. Okay, actually. let's go there. So I'm happy you brought that up because a quote from episode one of the season: "If they breach the wall, the first two castles in their path are Last Hearth and Carhold," referring to the others and the undead army. So I think this buys us an episode, maybe two, but I'm going to be pessimistic and go with one. Before the undead army reaches Winterfell. 
So that's why they introduced Alex Karstark and Ned Umber this season. And that's why they were featured so prominently, because they're destined to fight and die or fight and retreat to Winterfell. So that's a really cool connection that I just made today. I'm super proud of myself. That would be really cool. And I would be really happy if Alice and Ned had more to do than just be in one episode. But getting back to John and Daenerys at Winterfell. I think we've spent a good deal of time talking about them because we love (laughs) John and Danny. So do you have any just like summary thoughts from the season or do you want to jump right into predictions? I really liked some of her monologues. Um, the conversation that she had with Olena is, of course, iconic now, like, be a dragon. It still absolutely baffles me that we went from them being in separate continents at the end mm-hmm. of last season to them being in love by the end of this season. Like, their plot moves so fast. <laughs> Got whiplash. <laughs> yeah. Remember that time when, in our season seven predictions, I said that I expected John and Danny would meet at the end of this season? That was cute. That was real cute. Ah, never mind. <laughs> never mind. I think I called that they would get together by the end of the season. Did I not? <laughs> you did. And so I don't think it's going to be like this in the books. I think I've said that before. I don't think it's going to be this easy in the oh, books. Oh, yeah, for sure. Danny is actually John's aunt, and they're going to find that out pretty soon. What do you think is going to happen when they find this out? Well, one of the first thoughts, if Danny is truly pregnant, is, well, this is fun. <laughs> do you think she is pregnant? Let's go through okay. that first, because I, I don't know. Um, I'm so, skeptical. Just to re- refresh your memory... When Khal Drogo dies, one of the consequences to his death is that Daenerys becomes unable to bear children. Um, in the books, it's according to Mary Munster, the Magi. Yeah, As, and there was so much emphasis on the topic of both John and Daenerys having children in the future. Yeah. In the last couple episodes, there it was like beating us over the head. That honestly, if she's pregnant, like after one night, I'm just gonna roll my eyes because I'm like, okay, guys, whatever. Well, so was Cersei. Like, it's just, it, yeah, but they were, it was just the fact that they were overemphasizing mm-hmm. it in a way that I was like, what is the point? Why are you talking about this so mm-hmm. much? And so if they were only forcing those lines to predict the fact that Daenerys is going to be pregnant, that's just lazy writing, <laughs> but whatever. Here's the thing. What if she can only have a child because one of her dragons died? That's fair. What if two dragons die? What if? Yeah, what if what if her child is basically her dragon but in child form? Like what if that's what it is because we know mm-hmm. that she sacrificed Drogo or Dr- Drogo's horse yeah. and her and Drogo's child. She sacrificed all three of those lives in order to birth the dragons the first time. She didn't know she was doing it, but that's what she did. Yep. And so what if the dragon's death leads to her being able to have one child? I like that. that. Would, okay, I yeah. would be okay with that. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. Yeah, I don't know how it works, um, but that sounds logical. <laughs> I don't know. It just it just popped into my yeah. head. That would be okay with me because that at least has some semblance of logic mm-hmm. to it, and that's all I'm asking for. Some something we can legitimize. Would you be a fan of hereditary succession rather than some sort of democracy being set up if Westeros survives the war to come? Um, I don't know. I like Tyrion's, like, push towards democracy, but at the same time, in a system where there's not 
free education and there is this hierarchy already there would have to be way more systemic changes before democracy could even like be justifiable without a tyranny of the well if most of the population dies that gives you wiggle room with institutions that's true not to be tragic and you know tactical about it but just the same I think Tyrion was being too optimistic and I don't I don't think the show's going to end that way but I I've always thought that the books could end that way and that would mm-hmm. be really cool. Yeah. Okay. Did you have any big picture things about Daenerys? So Daenerys and Jon um I'm looking at season 8 and I think I would be really bored if the entirety of season 8 is just their fight against the others. Oh, it won't I be. I could see that happening. I could see it happening just because there're only 6 seasons or 6 episodes. Really? But I, I do think it would be boring. Um, and so I I don't know. I do still wonder if there's going to be some sort of an inheritance battle between John and Daenerys. Okay. Um, if John finds out that he is the rightful heir, if Daenerys starts going a little mad queenish on like Cersei or something and burns people where John goes against John's advice, I could see that breaking the two of them up a little bit Mm -hmm. and i could see a a dance of the dragons in terms of their fighting each other okay well we have three dragons danny has one viserys and the night king have each other (laughs) um and so that leaves Rhaegal open we've long prophesized that john is the most likely to be the other dragon rider in this show So, yes, I think he'll get Rhaegal very early in Season 8 because they need someone else to be able to direct from the air. I don't know if they have enough time to build up a believable animosity between Daenerys and Mm -hmm. Jon. And so, at the end of the day, I would rather them not even go there and just have them be on each other's sides and happy and in love, (laughs) even though that's kind of boring. I'd rather have that happen than have them do Jon versus Daenerys badly yeah so do we want to move on to Tyrion because I feel like that's the obvious yeah. part of their arc that hasn't been mentioned yet mm-hmm. um so so in the final episode we did talk about this a little bit but Tyrion is aware of the changing dynamics he watches John go into Daenerys's room and he has that kind of a puzzled expression on his face <laughs> that isn't isn't jealousy but isn't necessarily the most happy yeah and so um, what do you think Tyrion's role is going to be now that Jon and Daenerys are teamed hard together? Does he have a role in the wars to come? Maybe not so much, but would he be an asset after if he's alive? For sure. So here's the thing. I'm worried about Tyrion because they've set up a, just a little bit of animosity between Daenerys yeah. and Tyrion in this mm-hmm. season. And I could see them going in a lot of really cool directions with Tyrion's arc if they had more time. But given the time constraint, I think that they're looking to wrap everybody up relatively quickly. And so I have a really bad feeling that Daenerys is going to ignore Tyrion's advice one too many times. Even if it, especially if it does end up Jon versus Daenerys, I could see Tyrion and Varys defecting to John's side. To what end, though? Um, yeah, I don't know. Because I can't... That's the problem. If there were more players on the board, it would be really cool. But at this <laughs> point, who could 
Tyrion turn to? He's than... not a fan of Euron. He's not a fan of Euron. He's not going to go back to Cersei. And, I mean, so if Jon and Daenerys go against each other, that's the only thing I could see. Mm-hmm. But I still don't know how certain I am of that happening. And so I just wonder if Tyrion is going to be a sacrifice that Daenerys has to make for some strategy on the board if she sacrifices Tyrion without him knowing mm-hmm. or something like that. I could see I could see their relationship worsening, unfortunately, and I don't like that and I don't think it's realistic, but I don't yeah. see where else they could what else they could do with him that wouldn't be like, okay, so yet again, Tyrion is giving sage counsel. In the books, and I think we've been pretty vocal about this, you and I are both members of the theory, we both support the theory that Tyrion is a Targaryen. Mm-hmm. Um, I And even at the beginning of this season, I had hopes for it, but once I saw the pacing of this season, I just was like, nope, we're not going there in the show. <laughs> yeah, And that sucks because that gives Tyrion something interesting to do. But if we don't have anything interesting for Tyrion to do next season, which now that Jon is taking the place of hand, basically, for Daenerys in a way, I mean, he'll still be hand to both of them, I guess. But I don't see him having anything interesting to do. And that's when we start getting worried about characters dying. This is something that they've been struggling with since Tyrion was met Daenerys and they went past the books. They've been not so good. They being David and Dan, again, with the writing. So, yeah. they need... And the beginning of the season was great for Tyrion. Right. But now it's like, okay, what's he going to do? Well, they're going they're going to need someone to strategize against the Golden Company. So having True. both Jamie and Tyrion on your side isn't going to hurt you. Yeah, maybe his role I'd rather is going have to be them playing not. off of Jamie a lot. Yeah. I could see that. And have that whole brother thing. Yeah. Maybe he will cause Jamie's death accidentally. And that, that would devastate, would devastate him. him and give him interesting things to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Now, now We're that sacrificing I remember, Jamie for Tyrion. <laughs> now that I remember that Jamie's going to Winterfell, I, I do think that there will be a little bit more interesting stuff for J- Tyrion, and I feel a little better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. For the first few episodes of season eight. Also, <laughs> I want to see Tyrion and Sam and Bran in a, in a room together. They have a oh lot my to gosh. talk about. Do you want to talk about <laughs> Sam now? Yes, please. Sam is with Gilly and baby Sam at the end of the season back at Winterfell. Um, so there's going to be a big powwow there right before the others get there, which is great. So <laughs> we need to remember how good Sam is at political intrigue and diplomacy and strategy, um, at least <laughs> yeah. in the books. I mean, his role wasn't as prominent in the show with this happening but um mm-hmm. he basically manipulated john's election to lord commander entirely in the books and so he's going to be a very strong ally for john i'm excited for their reunion mm-hmm. um i think that he's going to have a role to play that's more than just sitting and looking at books i think he's going to be some form of a diplomat some form of a strategic advisor something he's definitely going to play a role though and by the way, he has Heartsbane, which means he has a warrior role to play at some point in season eight. Because otherwise yes, they wouldn't have had him go all the way to Hornhill and spent the money and the time introducing yeah. Sam's family. Exactly. So, woohoo! And so let's go on to our favorite plot line from the ep- entire series. 
The grayscale Jorah. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so Jorah lives again. Yes. Yeah, so this has been a continuous rant for both of us. Uh, one of the places I think where we most strongly agree that was horrible about this season <laughs> is Jorah and the fact that apparently all you have to do is peel the grayscale off. No magic, nothing to do with dragons, nothing to do with the others. It's just you got to peel it off, which seems like a simple enough solution that it shouldn't be groundbreaking. And also, what is the point of Jorah having grayscale in the first place? To get him to the Citadel. What is the point of him going to the Citadel? To meet Sam and talk to Sam? What's the point of him meeting Sam and talking to Sam? When they say nothing? We don't know. There's like there's been zero resolution in terms of the reason he had to meet Sam or he had to go to the Citadel. It makes absolutely no sense and I'm really hoping that they resolve this. I hope that there's a reason. It's even more weird because David and Dan have demonstrated this season that they are more goal-oriented than anything. So, again, if you can't answer the why, then that's a really strange choice to make because there are other ways that you could have established Sam's ability to cure something important, right? Uh, It doesn't have to be Jorah. I don't think we have time for a massive grayscale outbreak, and how would that happen? So I don't don't understand that. Um, Jorah didn't need grayscale in the first place because he could have gone off and done something else or he could have stayed with Daenerys and Jon like that would have even built the Daenerys and Jon tension faster if Jorah had been there the whole time like I don't Mm -hmm. I just don't understand what the point was and I don't like not understanding what the point of things is it's really annoying yeah if you needed Sam to meet Jorah they could have done it at Winterfell in season eight yeah because they're both going there yeah what did they... That's a lot easier. What knowledge got passed between the two of them that was so crucial? Like, I didn't I didn't get that at all. I rewatched all of the episodes they have together. All yeah. of the scenes. There's, no, there's nothing. Yeah. It's absolutely <laughs> bizarre. Because um, you could have established respect between Sam and Jorah to convince John of something about Mormont for Jorah to join the Night's Watch at the end of the show or in the next few episodes without him going to Old Town. Again. Very easily. I digress. I mean, do they just want to give Sam more screen time to build up his abilities? But then we didn't need Jorah there. We could have had anyone there. Precisely. Like, it just... It doesn't make sense. And it was a waste of time and plot. And I don't like it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then, what else was I going to say? Oh, so Jorah, season eight. What's his point? Because I thought he was going to die in the north and that he was going to have super magic, awesome, grayscale superpowers. So. <laughs> What's that called again, Laurel? I don't know. Grayscale, like, awesome, magic, superpowers? <laughs> yeah, I thought, like, the fact that he had had grayscale was going to mean that he could survive the whites or like burn them or something. right i don't know like that would have been a great explanation for him needing to have grayscale that would have been really fun or just like sacrificing himself in a blaze of glory because he couldn't be injured couldn't be yeah. killed by the white so speaking of jorah you had a theory earlier this season 
that he might be destined to take over the Night's Watch. So this is also something I wanted to talk about in general, which is what's going to happen with the Night's Watch specifically in Season 8 yeah. as well. Um, because we know that the the Army of the Dead broke through at East Watch, which is nowhere near Castle Black. Um, mm-hmm. And so assuming we'll get we'll get to that but like will the night's watch come from castle black will they abandon castle black since they don't really need to hold guard there anymore um is this only a segment of the army of the dead is there more coming from the west and so they're gonna stay and fight out a different front of the battle there or are they going to abandon castle black and come fight the battle wherever it is At the risk of being wrong, I'm going to say that the full army of the dead broached East Watch by the Sea. So, Viserys and the Night King and the others and the dead are all coming from one area. So, I would expect the Night's Watch to stay where they are. I would expect the wildlings who are at the wall to stay where they are. Or to migrate en masse south to yeah. fight them I don't at Carhold and Last Hearth. I don't understand why they would stay where they are. Because we don't see mm-hmm. the others coming back. We see them going south, okay. right? Yeah. Um, unless the others go to Castle Black first. Another frustration that I have with the show versus the books is that the others seem to be more sentient in, and have more personality in the books and in the show we haven't really been privy to that so in the show do they have any incentive to find out more information about where the night's watch is how many there are i don't think so i don't think they're worried about that at all they're just focused on going south and killing as many of the living as they can yeah as the primary objective well you know i've always said that i think that the others do have some purpose and especially in the books i think that i think that there's a reason they're doing what they're doing and it is our bias as readers who are alive (laughs) that we can't see that and that we're so quick to dismiss them as just like evil zombie creatures um Mm -hmm. because that's the kind of lesson that george would want to have in his books yeah that we are just ignoring any concept of them having a purpose and being as sympathetic as the living um I don't know if they're going to do that in the show, though, if the others are going to have a purpose. I think it would, wouldn't would be too hard for them to do, though. So I, I I I could see them making the others have a purpose. And that would have been the reasoning be cool. behind showing the creation of the Night King. But we're not going to understand that until it's verbalized, until there's some words yeah. coming out of the Night King. And, you know, I have a feeling the Night King can speak. And I'm really excited to that hear what he has really to cool, say. Wouldn't it? Okay, let's talk about Tormund and Oh yes. yeah. So you and I both think Tormund and Beric survived because yeah. they would have shown us their deaths otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you said, they ran parallel rather than down. Um so they're gonna go probably straight to Winterfell to let everyone know what happened. Yep. But how can they outrun the army of the dead? would be my question because are they going see that's why i think they're going to go to castle black not to winterfell okay because they're running parallel across the wall they know Mm -hmm. that the others are going south but they don't necessarily know where and they don't want to run into the others 
So they're going <laughs> to yeah. run parallel. Okay. I I agree with you, but I will present another like I said previously will give I don't think Tormund necessarily needs to know where they're going because Barrett could look it up in the flames because he has that capability. So if he says, oh, I see them not at Winterfell immediately, if Rilgar blesses Beric with the vision. So they go to Winterfell and yeah. beat the others and are able to warn them. In addition to Bran, yeah. if he uses his powers, which we know is questionable. <laughs> That's true. Um, but yeah, they could also definitely go to Castle Black. That would be just as logical because the Night's Watch is, of course who's in charge of defending the wall and the wildlings are headquartered there who are at the wall. So yeah, I think either it's fair game, but he needs to end up, Tormund needs to end up in Winterfell. Um, so here's my next question. Mm-hmm. Once Winterfell finds out that the army of the dead <laughs> breached the wall and they're coming, what's their move? Yeah. Do they stay and fight or do they run? Well, first of all, it's a good thing Daenerys is heading there with dragons. Yes. <laughs> to fight because otherwise that would put them at a huge disadvantage second of all they stay and fight because it's a winter fell and there's old magic there and they're the starks and the northern men they're not going to run away from a fight they're going to embrace that this could be really ugly and take a lot of casualties but they're going to stay and fight but are the casualties worth it this far north because casualties only mean more death more more soldiers for the dead so to me, it's mm. not worth it, even for the sake of your home castle. You wouldn't yeah. stay and risk it. You would go farther south and equip and get a bigger army and get Cersei's army that you expect coming and maybe go to Dragonstone and plan and prep because they're not they're not ready. They don't have the dragon glass. They're not ready to take on right. the army of the dead yet. So I, I could see them abandoning Winterfell. <laughs> I'm expecting the Army of the Dead to take King's Landing at some point. Um, I talked about that theory of mine a little bit in the last episode, mm. um, which means that they will have already had to have taken Winterfell. And so yeah. I don't think For them to going... go south, they have to take Winterfell. If Absolutely. They, if they stay and fight at Winterfell, that means so much casualty and loss and increased strength of the Army of the Dead. Ooh. I don't wait. know. I I could see them But Sansa's food stores are at Winterfell. Wintertown is at Winterfell. All of the North has will be at Winterfell before they have to retreat. So that's a lot of logistical movement. Yeah. I mean, that would be in favor of they keep Winterfell and are able to, or maybe the others don't choose to attack Winterfell and just surround them because they could be sieged. And that would lead to the later, what is the purpose of the others? Is it death or is it specific right. death? Like, that would be interesting. And then yeah. they can proceed south and just leave whoever needs to be um, there to just siege them. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And that then you have a holding pattern while John and Daenerys but zombies, and company are at Winterfell zombies, or at Dragonstone. But zombies don't need to siege because they have unlimited resources of death. They don't die. They can stack on top of each other and get across over the walls. But I maybe just, the Night King doesn't want them to die. Yeah. Doesn't want them being the living to that are in Winterfell to die. 
I don't see a siege being necessarily realistic, and they'd have to do okay. a lot of explaining for it to happen <laughs> for me. Okay. It's hard It's hard to imagine them abandoning Winterfell, but I don't see what the other option is. I just think there has to be a purpose behind the storage of everything and Sansa's plotline this season to just destroy Winterfell. You mean other than giving Sansa lines that didn't have to do with yeah. Arya? <laughs> yes because there's a lot of overtures about wintertown yeah. which is again where all the northerners go what in winter when there's no food to be had um that's where all the food storage is that's where you know you'll have your goods and water or whatever so it's a major lifeline yeah if you want to kill all the northerners you would destroy winterfell which um, would make for a much bigger army to take on King's Landing. I almost wonder if we're going to see know. the people we care about run and just sacrifice yep. Winterfell and the Northerners. Yeah. That would be hard. Yeah. That would be a hard choice. Maybe that would be what would mm-hmm. split up Daenerys and John because Daenerys would say we need to retreat and John would be like, I would never abandon these people. Rich, he, he said as much this season. Like, I'm always going to fight for the people of the North. Yeah. It's, it's my kingdom. Yeah. Let's talk about maybe Mira. Yeah. Showing up in season eight? Yeah, since she randomly left um, <laughs> Bran, and so do we think she's gone back to the neck to see her father? Because we don't need yeah. we don't need her father anymore now mm-hmm. that we have Bran and Sam, who know John's true identity. We don't need Helen mm-hmm. Reed. R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs> do we think Mira has a role? Maybe, you know simplest way to end her wrap her plot line up would be to be fighting the others and see her as a zombie i was going with or or she just dies a good death and is burnt yeah (laughs) but i can see yours being just as likely if not more likely yeah Um, i thought that was going to end a lot more happily (laughs) when i brought her up nope but Okay. <laughs> well, do we want to go on to Bran? Yeah. Yeah. You start. So Bran, I've, I've had ups and downs with him this season. Um, mm-hmm. I think that I'm very happy that we got that explanation via Mira of what happened to him and why he suddenly becomes a different person. That doesn't mean I like it, but I understand it. Um, and one thing I'm really struggling with from him and what I need to see more of in season eight is consistency. So we know that he had a role to do with Peter. Um, there was actually a released deleted scene <laughs> that showed his role with the whole Winterfell plot with Arya and Sansa, which it, why the hell would you delete that scene that actually explains everything is beyond me. Yeah. Um, uh, we can rant about so that. Confused. Um, but I need consistency on who talks to him about what, what he does and does not see, and what role he plays in mm-hmm. strategy. Because yeah. do Sansa and Arya just go up to him and say, what do you what have you seen about this thing? We don't know if we can trust this person. This person mm-hmm. said they would send armies to us, and we need to see what they're doing. Does yeah. he have that ability to just tactically locate things, or do they still just come to him randomly um, in terms of visions? And does he yeah. feel any alliance toward the Starks toward the Targaryens 
Mm-hmm. Does he see his purpose as doing that, or does he think that he sh- his role is to observe and not necessarily to influence? Um, right. All of these things are things that we don't know about because he hasn't really discussed any of these things. And so if he does end up playing a strategic role where he's yeah. able to say, oh, the others are here, go to there, this person's thinking mm-hmm. or doing this thing, then... I'm going to be really pissed every time that doesn't happen because I just want, I don't care what his role is as long as it's consistent. Yeah, I will agree with you. And then just maybe reiterate that for right now, it appears that the role of the three-eyed raven is to be the ally of the army of the living, whoever that is. Right now, that's probably going to continue to be John and Daenerys at the helm. And to oppose the Night King, who in the show is the figurehead of the Others and the Army of the Undead. And then that role is for Bran to directly fight with the Night King. In terms of like brain power, not physically fight, obviously. Um, so part of the role of the Army of the Living is to keep Bran safe. So he can continue to be an ally. In terms of outside of this battle, I think Bran will be an agnostic. And still, I want to know, like, can he pinpoint things he's specifically looking for? Or does he just kind of let the visions come to him? I think he can um, precisely pinpoint. Also, really quick, I've seen a lot of fan theory out there, this huge crackpot. Um, I don't necessarily agree or like it but i wanted to hear your opinion a lot of people out on the interwebs think that bran (laughs) is actually the night king oh that's bullshit okay thank you yeah (laughs) i don't like that at all i don't know i in the books there's a crackpot that i really like that involves time travel and bran being other historical figures yeah being all the brandons but i love that (laughs) but like that's very different from Mm -hmm. this theory yeah, I read the theory yeah. that you're talking about, about this Brandon, Bran Stark, being the Night King, whose name I don't think we know yet. Mm-hmm. But um, the theory was somewhere along the lines of Bran was observing it and then went from his observer body to the brain of the man as he was being stabbed by the children of the forest, and he somehow got stuck in there. That was, like, somewhere... Yeah. The theory is somewhere along those lines, yeah, and no. I don't buy that. That was a one-time Hodor yeah. thing. And, you know, he learned his lesson. Yeah. So. Um, cool. I'm glad we're on the same page for that one. Um, what other plot lines haven't we discussed? Do you want to go to... Melisandre and Varys. Okay. Yeah. So, clearly, is going to come back next season, and clearly both of them are going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have easy death pools next season. Um, <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> so we know Melisandra is always going to be committed to the Lord of the Light, and she now believes that mm-hmm. Jon Snow is the prince. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see Daenerys and Jon pitted against each other, but that would be such an obvious place for betrayal in my mind um, because I don't see who else Varys would betray Daenerys for at this point because yep. everybody else is mm-hmm. like dead or Cersei. And she's not going to betray her to Cersei. Um, or Euron. Yeah. And then Melisandre, 
know. I don't know what her role's going to be, but she's going to come back. She's going to come back and she's going to die. Yeah. Possibly because of something Varys does, as he alluded to um, in the episode where Melisandre leaves. He's like, I would recommend you not come back. Oh, I just had a thought. You know who else Varys could betray to? Gendry. We now have a Baratheon. We have a true Baratheon heir. He is the heir to House Baratheon, who has a terrible but actual claim to the throne. That's exactly (laughs) the kind of person Varys always looks for to set up. And we've gotten a lot of Gendry this season, just to remind us who he is, the fact that he is a Baratheon, yada yada. Um, I could see him being someone that Varys would try to maybe use in rebellion against Daenerys. I don't know if that would actually yeah, happen. Yeah, as our Fagon. But that would be a cute little callback to Robert's rebellion, where it's Baratheon versus Targaryen. Huh. Especially since Robert Baratheon killed maybe John's father. Robert Baratheon killed Rhaegar. Yeah. That's also a dynamic an, I another, hadn't thought of. Another interesting dynamic is Arya's crush on Gendry yeah. and vice versa. And then how Arya and Jon are so close. And then Jon and Danny. That's a yeah. that's a wicked, wicked line. Yeah. <laughs> to go down. I just I could see them I could see the reason mm. they brought Gendry back from absolutely nowhere is to <laughs> From rowing, yeah, come on. To be like, okay, here's someone we could have some claim to some throne. We need someone to believably be someone Varys could betray Daenerys for. Okay, I like that. I, I've talked myself yeah. into that. I, I don't see, obviously, Melisandre backing Gendry because Gendry would... Maybe Gendry's the one who kills Melisandre. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe Melisandre manipulates Varys from behind into trying to crown Gendry. I don't Ooh. know. I just, uh, I see, I could see that being the reason that Gentry got brought back. Another thing that I th- we need to know about Gentry is that he has, inexplicably, a Valyrian steel warhammer. Apparently. Which means I think he'll be involved in other battles between the living and the dead. And that's the other thing, is if people try to crown Gentry, is Gentry going to go along with it? I don't think so. I don't think he has any interest, which yeah. is why I like him and Arya getting together. Which is so also much. why I could see him trying, Varys trying to persuade him to abandon and go against Jon and Daenerys, and then maybe he tells them that Varys is doing this, Ooh. and that's Varys' ultimate death. And then Varys gets burned. Yeah, I could see that happening. And that would also solidify the I alliance like between Gendry and them because now they trust him more. Do you ever wonder why we're not writers, Laurel? Yeah, seriously. Like, hmm. So let's go on to Arya and Sansa, because we haven't talked about them yet. Overall, Arya had a great season. In terms of her longer-term plotline, her season 8 plotline, if her intentions are still to kill Cersei, um, or maybe, especially since we established earlier this episode that the Valonqa prophecy wasn't said in this show... So that does leave it up to her, especially with Cluthane Bull looming, which is also bound to happen with the setup they did in the seventh episode. Sansa now knows about Arya's faces, inexplicably. (laughs) Cool. Um, I think I've done enough ranting on the whole Peter and 
everything that I'm just gonna chill and not really go Mm -hmm. for it too much because I'm tired of it it happened I hated it it's in that episode whatever moving on yeah um and so Arya I I still think that Arya could have Peter's face now um I think that would be a cool way Mm -hmm. to get close to Cersei if they are able to keep news of Peter's death quiet that would be a very easy way for her to gain Cersei's audience because Mm -hmm. we know that Cersei does trust Peter to the extent that she'd be willing to be alone with him. Particularly as her Um, other allies are non-existent. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know how much I like Arya killing Mm -hmm. Cersei at this point. I kind of would prefer Cersei to just die in the mess that she's made with the others or something like that where it's just like the others swarm King's Landing and she dies among everybody there. Like, I think that's more of a just death at this point. Um, I don't see Arya staying necessarily with yeah. Winterf- the Winterfell gang. I don't know how much I see them being involved with the right. John and Daenerys immediate. Like, I could see Sansa being a part of that strategy mm-hmm. huddle, but maybe Arya and the Hound go to King's yeah. Landing together. Which would be another, if they have a traveling scene, that would make my season honestly that would be cool (laughs) okay yeah i like that aria and the hound go to king's landing aria dons peter's face and kills cersei and then we get oh and then by the way we need to talk about nymeria and aria yes yes so we saw that nymeria didn't want to come be a house dog (laughs) house wolf but i i definitely see her Coming to Arya's aid in a battle in the future. This is why I think Arya will get mixed up in a battle between the living and the dead. And then Nymeria and her wolves will have to come and save Arya. Oh, you know what I'm excited for next season? Ghost. I am so bitter. Game of Thrones. Are you serious? You had a season without Ghost? Really? An entire season without Ghost. Um, even in the two episodes when John was geographically in the same place as Ghost, we didn't get Ghost. And he's alive. Because especially if John does become a, a dragon rider, having both a dragon and a direwolf mm-hmm. is so representative of John as a person. Do we want to go to on to Sansa then? So I'm assuming Bran's kind of come back and that relationship's going to be a little better mm-hmm. than it was this season. Um, Sansa's going to continue to be Lady of Winterfell, especially once mm-hmm. we find out who John's yeah. true family is and all of that goes down. I have no doubt in my mind that he will um, quickly volunteer yeah. to give up any titles that he once had that were Stark titles. We had a discussion of where we see Sansa going, if she stays in Winterfell. I mean, I think our general role is to be as Warden of the North and Lady of Winterfell, a leader and role model of calm, of resourcefulness, of strength through famine, through whatever they're going to go through with the army of the dead surrounding them. You know what I wonder, almost? I could see just because, I mean, they've aged Arya up a little bit in the show. Yeah. um, But keeping in mind the fact that Arya, especially since Maisie now looks older than she did when she was younger, yeah. 
Um, keeping in mind that Arya is supposed to be still significantly younger than Gendry, like we're talking like 10, 15 years younger mm-hmm. than Gendry, I could see Gendry and Sansa being a love interest. Okay. I would see that. I just really like the relationship between so- or, um, Arya and Gendry. Oh, I do so too, long of ago. course. Because um, I'm it... just trying to think. There's no. It's hard for me to believe that they would allow Sophie, someone as pretty as Sophie, to go without <laughs> a love interest. Um, especially, but I mean, I like it personally because she's had so much trauma in terms of relationship. In exactly. The past. I, I like the fact that that's nothing that she's thinking about. Yeah. But at the same time, strategically, Lady of Winterfell needs to start thinking about heirs. I see where you're coming from. Personally, because of the previous relationship, I'm still thinking Gendry and Arya would be a better match. Because oh, they're yeah. both warriors. Yeah. No, I definitely I agree. I'm just trying to think of people we could potentially see her with. I don't know. I still like her, like, not having to ever I do too. need don't a relationship. I like that a lot. Um, it's not something I would complain about at all if she ended up alone and in power yeah very queen elizabeth-esque yeah oh by the way we never learned what happened to sweet robin but i'm assuming that he's irrelevant (laughs) yeah i i feel like the veil is just irrelevant at this point unfortunately because it's got such a great setup in the books for a great battle so i'll talk really quick about season eight predictions then yeah um one thing that you brought up was the timeline of it Mm -hmm. um and that's something i'm really worried about because if I was frustrated about pacing in this <laughs> season, what the hell are they going to do next season? Um, Girl, it's I gonna don't be, know. It's going to be awful. Like, I'm already predicting that I, I'm going to want to scream about the pacing. Um, and in terms of where it'll end, because obviously they have to defeat the others. And you're right, I would really like to see some rebuilding afterwards. I would really like to see almost kind of an epilogue Mm-hmm. Where where are they now kind of a situation yeah. would be great. Um, and not just in the immediate, but in the 30 years later kind of mm-hmm. a situation. I want to see where these characters are going. I don't know how much of that I can expect, though. Um, and then I will be really disappointed if it has a nice, clean, wrapped-up ending. Um, I already told Kate about this, but I almost predict that the Night King survives yeah. and goes back north. Or one or with one or two others, or maybe it's just the Night King. Um, because the Long Night happened once before, thousands of years before. The others came south with the Night King and were vanquished. But they went back north. They want, like the Night King survived somehow. We don't really know the details. They were vanquished, but clearly not destroyed. And so they went back north and regrouped, and it took them thousands of years, but they came back. Right. And so if they kill the Night King and the Army of the Dead is vanquished and the wall's down and they're able to populate the North and they have nothing to worry about ever again, that's not Game of Thrones. That's too clean of an ending. So I definitely am hoping that the Night King survives somehow. And I hope that we find out why the others are the way they are and Mm -hmm. what their goal in life is. Or goal in death, I guess. In close relation to the comments that you just made i'm expecting us to have at least some sort of return of the children of the forest next season possibly to help explain the history because they're essential to getting the others and the army of the undead 
back north. And then my my kind of follow-up question to that is, what is the role of religion? What are the right. gods? Are the seven real? Is the R'hllor real? What is the drowned god real? What mm-hmm. What is the truth of religion and what impact does it have in this great war? Um, that's definitely something that I will be trying to focus on in my own rewatch. Shall we go on to this season death pool? Yeah, review. Please. So I had three people on my death pool who ended up dying, and that was <laughs> at least one sand snake, a yep. dragon, yep, and Littlefinger. Yeah, I had Littlefinger on my list. So yeah. I win. <laughs> they didn't kill enough people this season, guys. I'm looking for deaths in season eight. Were yep. David and Dan saving all the deaths for season eight? Maybe. One thing I'm really looking forward to and I shouldn't say looking forward to because it's also really upsetting, is that we're going mm. to start seeing beloved characters be zombies. And we haven't really gotten that yet This at all in Game of Thrones. Yep. But that's going to be next season. So when characters we love die, we can expect to see them come back in zombie form. And that's going to be heartbreaking, but really cool at the same time. Yeah. I don't know how much I'm... Like, we might have one or two, but I don't think it'll be a lot of them. I think I think it'll be some of the biggest moments, though. I think it's going to be some of the most jarring, big moments, mm-hmm. especially if they do it the right way and it's not expected. So, like, someone dies and then two episodes later we see them come back. Yeah. Um, but I th- we'll probably do an episode in anticipation of Season 8 when it yeah. is anticipated to air in 2019. Once the trailers come out. <laughs> kind of the way we did this year um we'll kind of do a trailer analysis plot line analysis and what we're expecting and then in the meantime kate and i over the last basically year and a half recorded all of our thoughts about every single chapter of every book in the game of thrones series um, (laughs) that are published right now and so i will be going back through those and editing them be looking every week from next week on we'll be going back to our book podcast and we're about almost done with the Game of Thrones book. Um, and so that's where we'll be picking back up on. Yeah. Um, in terms of episodes, all of the episodes are titled. So you should be able to tell really easily if it's a show pod or a book pod. And yes. what book and what chapters that pod covers, which will be in the description of the episode. I know it's a yes. little funky on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, so Kate, how can they get in touch with us if they'd like to talk to us? Um, you can get in touch with us at King's Landing Pod on Twitter or kingslandingpod at gmail.com. We're happy to receive them on either platform or both. Well, thank you so much as always for listening to us. We really enjoyed spending season seven with you and we can't look forward to season eight. Um, but yeah, if you are interested in the books, if you've read them or never read them, Um, We are a very spoiler-friendly podcast, especially on the book end of things. But um, we basically give you our thoughts and summarize every chapter for you. So (laughs) even if you've never read them and you're interested in what happens in the books and you don't think you're ever going to read them, go ahead and give it a listen. If you're a big book fan, then you can hear our perspectives and maybe we picked up on some things that you're interested in. Um, So I really look forward to... Uh, continuing this discussion with all of you on that end of things in the future. So until then, we drink and we know things. Cheers.